listening to On the Road with Mike and Yogi, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Back everyone, show 127. We've got a little bit to get through today. Got a, uh, a driver from South Australia. I've had a bit of a chat to about her experiences with social media and getting a bit of a caning. But what she's trying to achieve, and I think she's onto some really good stuff. Yogi and I are going to have a chat about the cares of the day. We've got the news. Bob McMillan's back with something to talk about. That's an interesting thing. Talking about rates and the effects of setting rates. I've also picked a couple of really rockin' good tunes out of the archive to help make a mile. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get this show on the road. Yes, get on with it. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the On the Road program. <laughs> <laughs> It was April 1979 and a cast of thousands of disillusioned truckies were making history, setting up a series of blockades the likes of which had never been seen before and most likely will never be seen again. Led by Ted Greenog Stevens and a small band of dedicated individuals, this massive wave of protest against unreasonable working conditions, unfair pay rates and unjust laws spread like wildfire from its home base atop Razorback Mountain. Razorback, The Real Story is the book written by Ted Stevens that chronicles the dramatic days of the blockade, the battles with politicians and the media, and that time in history when truckies around the country united in a powerful force and said, enough. Razorback, The Real Story has now been made into a beautifully produced audiobook, available for purchase at ontheroadradio.com.au Whatever you do, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to discover all the facts and details of the Australian trucking legend that is simply known as Razorback. I was thinking about what music I should play on the show this week, and I was fortunate enough to inherit all the music files when Andy sent over the uh, hard drive with everything from the podcast. I was having a bit of a look through couple of my favourites sort of stuck out. I'm going to play them both on the show. We're going to kick off with Darlinghurst. They played at the Denny Ute Muster and they've done a lot of great stuff. They're a really fantastic band. And if you're into their music, here they are, Darlinghurst. So long. Everybody 
devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Got a listener in Western Australia point out this young lady, Casuarina, to me. Casuarina, what a beautiful name. Casuarina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Mate, uh, one of my listeners in Perth saw you were getting a bit of a flogging on social media for <laughs> something you posted. Mm-hmm. and he sent me a message and he said, hey, Mick, have you seen this? And, of course, I hadn't seen it. Let's circle back and we'll just do a little bit of a history on you first, right? Okay, yep. You're uh, you're in your 30s, as far as I, I know. Am. You yep. started driving in 2016. You got your heavy rigid licence uh, up in, yeah. in Darwin, you said you got your licence? Yeah, yeah, in Darwin. And you drove around up there, which would be understandable why your name was confusing people in Darwin, <laughs> Casuarina. <laughs> Mm, yeah, people were people were very confused why I'd be named after like a shopping centre, but that's not where it originated from. <laughs> so, so you you uh, got your license up there, and you were driving around, and you sort of went off and did some other things, and you ended up driving uh, cement trucks. Are they cement trucks? <laughs> no, the concrete edges. Yeah, oh, concrete agitators. <laughs> 
My yeah. mate uh, Adam Gibson at NTI told me that the uh, roundabout is the natural enemy of the concrete agitator. Is that true, do you think? Yeah, you can't hit them too fast. Otherwise, mm. uh, if the concrete's at the wrong part of the bowl, you'll uh, tip straight over. Just, just away she goes, Trev, and that's it. You're part of the scenery. Yeah, you don't want to be looking at those wheels and see them lift off the ground, that's for sure. <laughs> Have you ever had your heart in your mouth? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, there's one, one particular moment when... Um, I made the mistake of trusting the pumpies and they were like, no, the last truck just did this. You'll be right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was very green. I reckon I was in my first week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, my legs were shaking and I got out the truck and screamed at them like tears in my eyes. I'm like, just give me a minute. Don't you ever make me do that again. And yeah. we actually ended up being great friends, but I never trusted them with their uh, opinion on where I could get the truck after that. Yeah, no, it's, you've got to make your own judgments. So yeah, now you're definitely. a road train fuel tanker driver. I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a, a hell of a jump. Yeah, it's been a long journey, but I'm very proud of where I am now. Yeah. Well, we're going to have yeah. a talk about how you got there shortly. But, uh, you grew up in South Australia. You're an Adelaide girl from the hills mm-hmm. and you sort of grew up and went to school. And how the hell does an Adelaide girl ever end up driving a truck? How does that happen? When I finished high school, I went to an agricultural high school. My plan was always to be like a Jillaroo or end up on a farm somewhere. Oh, so you're a tomboy then? I am very much a tomboy, (laughs) yeah. Oh, gee, I'll get into trouble for that. No, I get told all the time I don't, my looks don't kind of line up with my hobbies, which I don't understand. But yeah, um, I do. I've, I used to do ballet and figure skating, but also at the same time loved riding motorbikes and all oh. of that. So a mixed bag, a walking contradiction, some would say. But yeah, so um, I went to an agricultural high school and wanted to do farming. Um, but then I fell into loving motocross. So I started racing um, motocross straight out of school right. um, and then through that got a job my first job was at a motorcycle shop but then we had a bit of a career change like we all do and I became an insurance broker for about seven years okay. um, and then that job saw me leave Adelaide and move up to Darwin that's where I got my license on the side I asked my parents uh, for my I don't know if it was a birthday or Christmas mm. um, if they could help pitch in some money to get my license Right um, and so did that as a little present to myself um, and then from there moved to Brisbane, like that kind of sat on the side burner and then I went to Brisbane as an insurance broker and then as a turn of events, my life kind of changed directions again. I got approved for a Canadian work visa and I needed some quick money. So my sister had just started driving concrete edges down here in Adelaide in the same company that my dad was driving tippers at Yeah, and they suggested, hey, how about you move home? You can earn a lot more money driving trucks and being an insurance broker. So mm. I came back for about seven months to settle my um, dog here at the farm and then drove them. And yeah, it's been a passion kind of ever since, a career that I would never have saw myself in, but I don't see myself leaving now. Right. So you're quite happy carting the fuel around? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a big job. Yeah. It's been a, a, a very steep learning curve learning fuel I thought you know the driving part is definitely the easiest but I'm grateful to have so much experience doing other things before I came in because I don't think it's the kind of industry that you want to jump straight in when you go into trucking. Getting behind the wheel of a, of a tank is one thing I'm a tanker driver I don't know if you knew that but I, I drive. Oh no actually I didn't actually. I, oh well I'm not driving anything at the moment because I've got a busted yeah, wing. Yeah poor shoulder yeah. But, uh, but I, uh, I actually drive uh, DG tankers doing class 8 DG all over the place. Yeah, right, okay. And when I get back to work, that's what I'll be doing. I'll be quite happy to get back to work too, let me tell you. I'm a bit bored and I'm driving my missus crazy. (laughs) She's just about ready to stab me in the chest. 
Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but you did make her dinner, so well, you know you, you're in the good books tonight. So maybe. that's good <laughs> for five minutes, maybe. Okay, anyway, no, no, it's all good. So I, I do understand about the uh, climbing up and down on the tankers and uh, and all that sort of thing. Right, so where do you go in a road train? Uh, for the road train, we go from Adelaide to Port Augusta or Adelaide to Cooper Pedy and back. Cuba Petey, that's a fair old drive up. There's a photograph of my 909 under the uh, under the um, bucket of that bloody thing there. Yeah, 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 yeah. My very first drive up there, I had to pull in and get a photo. I was like, this is a monument, like monumental moment for me. So I've got a photo as well. <laughs> that's a requirement. When you go to Cuba Petey, you've got to pull up under the bucket of the, that yeah. truck there, right? Yeah. And get a photo yeah. of your of your truck. It'd be rude not to, really, but but now it's not so much. It'd absolutely be rude not to. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the picture. You're part of the club. Welcome to the club. I am. Thank you so much. Cooper Petey. Have you had a look mm. around Cooper Petey? Yeah. Uh, in 2020, I drove from Adelaide to Darwin. Mm. So stopped in there, stayed underground and out to the breakaway. So I have had a bit of a look around, but... These days, I don't leave the servo. Okay. <laughs> it's in no. and out. Yeah. yeah, no, it's like that, isn't it? It's what happens to us truckies. We sort of, we end up going to places. We drive all over the country mm-hmm. and see not much of anything. Mm-hmm. I had a Canadian friend um, here for a month. Yeah. And I said to him, like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do a trip away. Yeah. And he's like, oh, can I come with you? I said, you can't come in the truck. Yeah. But I guess if you want, you could follow me in the car. Yeah. And so he did. Right. Just so that he could experience the outback of Australia. And I guess it was a, a good experience for him in a way because otherwise there was no reason to go out there. But I felt very bad because by the time we got out there, everything was shut and he didn't actually get a, have a look around. So oh. he's uh, all he's seen is the dog fence and uh, the servo that okay. I delivered to. No, no. Look, fair enough too. There's bugger all mm. else out there really, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, dear, dear. Canada. So you went to Canada and you. what did you do over there? Did you work? You, you said you had a yeah. visa. What did you do over there? Yeah. So when I first went there, I went straight to the, the international sister company that I was working for. And I was like, hey, like I drive concrete trucks for your Australian branch. And they're like, okay, yeah, look, we'll give you a job. But did you really come over here to work your ass off? Because if you come work for us, you won't be able to travel and they're like go travel come back if you decide you still want to work for us so um, I found myself on the border of Alberta and Saskatchewan on a cattle ranch so I did a little bit of work out there through the calving season and that was wonderful but I realized very quickly that it was so remote I wouldn't meet anyone like make friends or anything you just were working 16 hour days so then I ended up in a town called Kelowna which is in the Okanagan Valley in oh, British Columbia yeah. yep. and I worked for the Harley Davidson store there and so I spent that whole summer just riding Harleys all through the mountains and oh, selling terrible. jackets. I, I oh, so- it was awful. I really don't know how I survived. Heartbroken. <laughs> and, I'd be heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I came home and worked over Christmas break driving Adjis back in Adelaide. And then when I went back, I went and worked up at a ski resort called Big White. Yep. Um, and just Where's that? is the, the mountain in Kelowna. So it's about, an, I don't know, just under an hour drive away so that was like really good champagne powder good snowboarding conditions but I was earning $11 an hour so it was rough and then I ended up working with a friend who I met through the Harley shop as his laborer so he was a builder um, and so I did that for the summer and then yeah sadly I decided to move home thinking that our conditions and minimum wages are a lot higher here in Australia so I thought I could work maybe nine months of the year and then go back but pandemic happened and I've uh, 
been stuck, but I actually head back on the 13th of March. So just going back for a little bit. I was amazed. Uh, Rose and I went to Canada a few years ago and we went to Whistler. Mm, and we were in, Whistler, in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, were, we were doing a bit of shopping in Whistler and we went to the supermarket. You can buy Vegemite in the supermarket at Whistler. Yeah, but how's the markup on it? <laughs> I don't know. It didn't really matter. If you want Vegemite, it's there. You can get it. And Tim Tams. And Tim Tams is a big one as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I was amazed at the amount of Aussie stuff. It was, as a matter of fact, mm. you walk you, you walk around Whistler and you can hear Australian accents all over the place. There's young Aussies working over there everywhere. Yeah. The, the, the problem with Whistler is it's a trap. You land in Vancouver, you drive an hour and a half up the road, yeah. you land in heaven and you never leave. And so there's Canada's so large like Australia, but... Um, I got out there after about a week because I knew I'd never leave because I loved it so much. I jumped off the plane in Vancouver and we went and we rented a car mm-hmm. and we drove through 9am traffic in Vancouver going to Whistler. I was wrecked from the flight. And, yeah. Uh, you know what the hardest thing about driving in Canada for me was? Uh, the intersections. The intersections. The, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the, the four-way stop signs, they call them chicken intersections, yeah. I think, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I don't know actually. That, that well, that confused me. But the turn right on red. Yes. So you could sort of come up to the red light, and if it was okay, you could turn right and keep going. And, but it makes so much sense. It's like over there, they just know that you, they leave it up to you a little bit more. Whereas here, it's like it's too regulated. So when you move back to Australia, you get angry when you can't turn left. <laughs> You're like, "What do you mean? <laughs> There's no one here." The funniest part about it was I, I rented a car. It was a Ford Taurus. I rented a fairly fairly large car. Mm. and uh, it didn't have any rental stickers or anything. It just looked like a normal, everyday garden variety, British Columbia number plate on it. You you couldn't pick Mm -hmm. it from any other car, right? Mm. And when I didn't turn right on the red, you know, the person behind me didn't sit there and just lean on the horn. (laughs) They'll off it. I only met one angry person in Canada, and he was a pom. Oh, okay. Most Canadians are very relaxed. Aren't they? So, yeah, and just like I feel like Australians and Canadians just kind of work well together. Yeah. You know um, what You know what else I liked about Canada? What's that? Well, there's no guardrails. There's no cheese cutters anywhere. Oh. There's no signs on the side of the road. Have you had to think about that? No. I haven't thought about that for a long time. Well, there's not. It's almost like they say, oh, if you're not good enough to stay on the road, yeah. you deserve to die. So, yeah. <laughs> you deserve to go off. I think a lot of it comes down to when it's the snow season. Yeah. Um, with the snow plows and stuff, they can't really afford to have things that they can uh, rub up against maybe. Yeah. No, it's more, it might have something to do with it too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're just going to take a quick break and uh, get a message from our sponsors and uh, we'll come back, all right? Sure thing. Copy there, Andy. Got you go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesels. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around eleven and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing. More to the point, these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of brute strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland Rail. Yeah, good looking too, just like us. 
<laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. Hey, we're back with Casuarina, my friend, my new friend CJ. Now, talk about <laughs> some trucking stuff, uh, CJ. What do you reckon? That sounds great to me. And um, we'll talk about. Uh, the social media experience that you had because we didn't we didn't cover that uh, either. Let's do that mm-hmm. one first, shall we? Okay. <laughs> what happened, mate? Um, so recently, I have started an Instagram page just covering my career as a truck driver because I feel like just after a few conversations with friends um, that maybe I have a bit of a voice that can be heard. And um, when I'm talking to friends, they don't really understand the, when I say I drive a truck, no one actually expects me to be driving such large vehicles. So Anyways, I started this page towards the end of last year and um, recently I just did a very off-the-cuff video on my story showing what a blind spot is in a Kenworth. So I'd driven the road train into the yard and I realised that um, when I was sitting there, there's a car I can't see that was just parked, um, one of my colleagues. And so I was like, oh, hey, guys, just when you're thinking about a blind spot and when you're wondering what that means, this is what, what I see and um, here you can see that there's a car. Anyways, I didn't really think too much of it. It was just a, something to put up. People were really reacting to it. So I decided to put it on my wall as a, just so I was there permanently. And before I knew it, it had over 40,000 views. And um, a lot of people were sending me beautiful messages being like, oh, we need more of this. Thank you for making this. It made me have a conversation with my family. I was able to show my kids. And I was like, oh, okay. But of course, when there's positive, there's a lot of negative. So I started getting hounded by people being like, oh, it's your job to check your blind spots. And then it like, and that was funny. I was like, oh, well, obviously. But then when it started to get personal and people were attacking me for who I am, being like, you are a danger. You're so short. You shouldn't be driving. Um, Really? Does your, yeah, like does your HR department know about this? Like I would never employ you. And unfortunately, I'm sarcastic. And so then I got my keyboard warrior back and I was like, oh, thank you so much for your two cents. I'm so, so, um, you know, thank you so much for piping up. Just curious, what do you drive? And just stuff like that. No, fair, fair enough too. I'd have given it to them. Both yeah, barrels. because I feel like, who are you? Yeah. Like, have you, and I, I started noticing because I obviously started spiraling, looking at the people who were commenting yeah. and I realized that none of them followed me. So no one knew my backstory. No one had been watching my videos of me reversing truck and dogs, road trains, everything. So I decided for my own mental health to pull it down because I was like, although there is a lot of positive, I can't handle this negative. It's making me not like who I am. Mm. So I pulled that down and... Can I just ask a question there? Mm. How, how do people that you don't know making a negative comment about something that they clearly know absolutely bugger all about, mm. how does that affect you? I'm not trying to be funny or smart or anything like yeah. that. I'm just curious. You should not allow other people's thoughts of you affect you. Yeah. And when I noticed that I was, that's why I pulled it because I was like, I'm not in control of my own emotions now. Yeah, sure. And I think I worked so hard to get where I am and mm. to have people saying these things. I was like, but you don't know me. And I think this this is goes for everybody. And I don't have the answers. And that's why I was like, okay, from now on, anything I post, I'm going to be really proud of. There's going to be some thought behind this to, so that I know that if people are attacking me, I know that that was the best content I could put out Mm. and I'm really proud of that because the video I did was off the cuff. Like there was no thought behind it. It was just a, oh, guys, look, this is a perfect example. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. 
and I wasn't really proud of what I put out. I was like, oh, okay. But it, but like, it had a lot of cut through though. You said yourself that it started a conversation yeah. and people showed their kids and I would suggest that that post was actually probably worth something. Yeah, I think I'm ready to put it back up because yeah. I've just archived it. I haven't deleted it fully. Yeah, sure. But I think it's just a lesson. Yeah. And so from this, I hope that I can create better videos. I'll redo it, but yeah. in a way that's more thought out. Because because unfortunately, I said one thing and it was like, I'm quite sure this is my view. And boom, that was the one uh, thing that people could pick on me as uh, like, oh, you're short. But I'm 5'4". Yeah. So I'm not really – I'm average height yeah. really. And I work with a lot of men who are the same height. But because I gave people something to pick on me – Whereas if I didn't say that, maybe it would have been better. Yeah, well, I can honestly tell you, you know, because um, I'm fairly big into the social media myself, mm. I've copped my fair share of canings over the years. I'm sorry you had that. Oh, look, well. it, it just happens. But see, I've got a thick skin and I really don't care. That, yeah. But that's just me. Look, I'm mm. like everyone. I like to be liked. I do, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm much happier with positive feedback than I am with negative feedback because I like it and you, you're a dickhead, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. But at the same time, uh, the messages that we post sometimes, if they share a good message, then mm. really the block button is a very handy thing. Yeah, and I, I think negative criticism or it can, if it's constructive can mm. be really great because then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Thank mm. you. I will change that. But when it's like just blatant, like there's no constructive of it and it's like you don't follow me, you don't know me, why yeah. you, did that make you feel like a big man? Because, you know, but I'm envious that you have thick skin because it's something that I'm really having to work on it's myself. All right, we'll work on it. I'll coach you. Yeah, I'll take thank you. you. I look forward to that. <laughs> Hey, uh, just so that you know, though, the off-the-cuff posts on that, my biggest mm. ever Twitter post was an off-the-cuff post that I made, put out, which wasn't even my photo. It was a photo taken by someone I know in the States that, mm-hmm. I, that I stole, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just said, hey, boys and girls, this is what you look like in the mirror when it's raining with no lights on. Oh, right. And okay. I'm sure you've seen the picture because it's been stolen and vlogged all over the place with three red arrows on it pointing at a car oh. in the mirror of a, an Argosy. Oh, and there's just nothing. And there's just nothing there. You can just see the, you can see a great, yeah. you know, a faint shaded outline. 12 million views. Oh, my gosh. Right? Okay. And wow. believe me, there was some negative crap in that. It still pops up from time to time. Wow. Okay. But I've actually done bits on the show about social media, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of think my one rule of social media is if you don't want your mum to see it, Mm-hmm or your wife, or your husband, or your partner, of whatever stripe Mm -hmm. that is, if you don't want them to see it, don't post it. But if you're happy for them to see it, then it's a good Mm. post and screw what anyone else thinks. Yeah, I think that's a great thought. Okay, let's get off the social media. I'm sorry you had that experience, though. It's a terrible thing because... It connected us so that, you know, there's things, good things come out of everything. Mate, seriously, the experience that you've had, I wouldn't wish on anybody, but I know, the, I know when the Twitterati or the bloody Facebook army come after you, that's mm. really not very, very pleasant. And some of these people are absolutely brain dead. There's someone, there's, there's someone in Scotland that I was reading about only a few hours ago who rides around on his bike and he's got a helmet camp on his bike, right? Mm-hmm. And he posted a video of 12 people in the traffic, like on the phone, driving in the traffic. One of them play, one of them was playing a game on their phone while oh, they're driving. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Now, 
In what world is that safe? Yeah, it's not. Right. So guess what happened? Did he get ridiculed? Or? He did, to the point mm. where he actually closed his account. Oh, that's so sad. It yeah. is sad. So to, for me, I, you've got to ask yourself uh, the mentality of the, of the mob. It's really hard before we get off that topic. It's mm. like I was really hesitant to start my page in the first place yeah. because I knew that no matter what you kind of do, even if it's for the like you, you know, trying to do the right thing, mm. it, you can cop negative. So I was, I was aware of that. But I feel like there's so much good that can come out of it. I think if used correctly and if you have a good community, I think that, that there's a lot of people out there that are going to make some difference. And I think we can do it all together. It's just, yeah, it's just that we just got to band together and like just remember your purpose and your reason why and your values. So if you can stay true to all of that, then it's then I think it'll be worth it. Great message. And to be perfectly honest with you, you know, I've got uh, plenty of friends who try to, to get the message out there and do a little bit of education. And sometimes, mm. like, we you know, we bang our heads on the pavement, basically. You know, I mean, my, my mate Rod Hannaf, he's been banging his head on the pavement for 20 years. Mm. He must have a few well, bruises. <laughs> Rod's, Rod's been put through the mill, let me tell you. So I think you've just got to... You know, apply yourself and know that the, the what you're doing and and I mean I hate to use cliches right because I'm not a cliche kind of a guy but if it saves only one and that's what I keep telling myself you know and I've already had mm. people message me say that I've helped inspire them go and get their truck license and I'm like well even just those people that's just made it all worthwhile so mate you've done it you've done great work you, you said to me that you want to get involved in some education and getting and talking to the kids and showing them. Mm. I mean, when you, you look back, mm-hmm. you are probably got a greater understanding of what the deficiencies are in people getting their licence and, and seeing what it's like. Obviously, you, you know, you're, you're in a younger demographic than me. What do you think is the, is the main thing that needs to happen? What do we need to do to sort of make driving better? Going back to high school, I felt immense pressure to have the answers of what career I wanted to have. It was always like, you need to know now what you want to be in the future, right? And I remember countless nights sitting on the kitchen bench with my family, bawling my eyes out, just in complete overwhelm, being like, I don't know, you know? And I'd go, we'd have these career expos where, you know, you'd have universities and TAFE come in showing you all these career paths, all these courses. And luckily I went to a forward-thinking school that offered vet courses. And I don't mean like the animal vet, I mean like vocational education. I went and did TAFE courses in year 11 and 12, which gave me a few options to go into hospitality and agriculture. So that helped me get my certificate of education. And without that, I don't know if I would have finished high school. But one thing I noticed in all of those like at uh, career expos, there were no transport industry, trucking or anything practical like that. So I would love to get into those schools and, well, into career expos to show that working in transport is so broad. So this is a career option. You know, you can be quite, you can really financially set yourself up and give yourself a successful future in this industry. Because in my opinion, seeing all these people retire, like these incredibly knowledgeable drivers that we're not utilizing it and we don't have any young people coming through so that's probably yeah so that's probably one area but then we face the issue with no one's going to employ you if you're a teenager or under the age of 25 
generally because of the insurance mm. issue. Can there is there some kind of way we can bring high school kids into the industry and teach them just like what you would any apprentice, like mm. cleaning trucks, you know, uh, loading trucks with forklifts or this and that, just get them into the transport industry and then slowly, you know, you can, when they get to a certain age, they help fund their HR license and then buddy them up with a driver for a while. And because I feel like when you get your license, you are just thrown to the wolves and expected to know everything. You learn on the job. And I know that this has happened for generations, but it doesn't mean we can't change it moving forward. So that is, in my opinion, one way. I personally would love to get into schools and talk to kids around truck safety and just like, you know, drive a prime mover to a school and show them uh, what blind spots are and little videos and mm. make it fun. And around that will help save them around trucks once they get their license, make them more knowledgeable. But then you could have the undertone message of, hey, like this is also a career option. And look at me, I have done it myself. And you don't have to have the answers. This could be a leading into other careers. But having a truck license will mean you'll always have a job. Mate, it's so refreshing to hear you say all that. It absolutely is because... I've been saying that for quite some time and a lot of other people have been saying that mm. for quite some time. And you know what stands mm. in the way of any of it? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I've got my opinion. It's all about getting people to pay for it, paying to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, because I've been sitting here like for the last few weeks just really – I know what I want to do and I just don't know yeah. how to get to that. And I was like, well, do I just do it for free on my days off? But like where does the money come from? to help fund yeah, something well, like this. When you, when you look at the price of a prime mover, even a day cab to take mm. around, I mean, there are things like that beautiful instructor truck in Western Australia that my mate Yogi Kendall went and helped launch there the other day. Have you seen that? The purple no. instructor truck? Oh, no, I'm looking forward oh, to looking I it up after, should, though. And, uh, you know, yeah. talking uh, talking about things like that, old mate Yogi was over there and uh, Sludge and all the other people were over there trying to, to launch this thing. Beautiful, beautiful piece of equipment. You better better Google that and have a bit of a look. Yeah, I definitely will. There are other education trucks just sitting in sheds that aren't getting used because mm. people don't want to pay for it. It's really, really quite sad. We yeah, could save lives, sad. mate. We really could. Yeah, and I think if you have the right people that people feel like they can mm. connect with and you know relate to, then you know that's a, that's a big step in the right direction yeah. as well. And I'm not trying to like say that I'm necessarily that person, but. I am passionate enough and I, I, I'm happy to help find other people that would be appropriate, but I just think that there's a big gap in the market with this. And I just I just want to, you know, a big part of my following, which you probably are surprised at, is actually people that do not drive. They are people that I know that have no idea and the private messages I get from them being like, I had yeah. no idea. Thank you so much. And um, so I'm actually like trying to talk to all the people that don't drive and like just so they can spread the 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 information as well. So, but they're driving um, around in their cars. Yeah, it's, they're mixing it's, it with us on the road every day. We're yeah. sharing the road. Well, look, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. We need to talk again. We really do. Yeah, I really hope we can continue this because uh, it's nice to find people on the same page. Mate, uh, well, you seem as though you and I definitely seem as though we're on the same page anyway. Casuarina, it's yeah. been a great pleasure to talk to you. I've got to wrap it up because we've sort of been talking for yeah. ages. And there's so much more we could talk about. Would you like to come back on the show again down the track? I would love to. It's been such an honour. So That's thank right. you so much. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can get you a look at some of this safety stuff we're doing. Maybe we can talk you into helping us out a bit. I would love that. Thank you so much. No worries, mate. You take care out there and stay safe on the road, all right? Thank you. You too.
Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Just had a uh, lazy few minutes here, Yogi. I thought I'd give you a ring and we could have a bit of a chat because I've just been sent some audio by my old mate Bog McMillan for the something you talk about section for today's show. <laughs> and yeah, g'day. G'day, how are you, buddy? Good, 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 yeah. And and I know that you've got a huge stack of trucking lives over there, so I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised if I've caught you reading one because that's, that's, that's what you do. Well, it's too hot. It's 30, 38 degrees here and muggy and cloudy and probably going to rain, but probably going mm-hmm. to be hot. And, and I'm ready to go. I've washed and cleaned the truck this morning and walked for a 6K walk and washed the dog and Righto. cleaned the car and put me doona in the truck. And, and you've caught me in the shed right. having, a, having a quiet stubby on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> reading trucking life. Now, my, my mum will tell you that's what I do all the time, you know, <laughs> like, and I slip out in the shed here and I've got, I've got trucking lives dating back to about 82 and 83, I think. So I, I love it. And I just, I happened to flick across May 1995. Right. Beautiful, beautiful uh, SCI Mac Elite on the front. Uh, we all remember the, I don't know, the aerodynamic. Anset did it for a little while uh, on the front of it. Really sleek looking trucks going down the road. And, uh, you know, first thing you see, big wet rains cut the nation's road. <laughs> you wouldn't read about it. 1995. 95. <laughs> Hang on. 2000, 2005, 10 years. Yep. 2000. Well, my truck's 25, 26, and she's a 95 bottle. <laughs> Kenworth. <laughs> Don't tell me they were promising to fix the roads back then. <laughs> they still have Wow. <laughs> you wouldn't read about it, you, you know? We actually would read about it in Truck and Life. You, you would actually read about life. it. Like they're talking billions of dollars to do this. And I think that was another ball one there without sort of flicking into it too much because I was I get a bit caught up with shiny stuff in the 90s. And yeah. as you know, I'm, I've got two 900s from the mid-90s. So, yeah, and there's, a, there's another one there of Thompson's 900 with the Slim Dusty trek across Australia. I think that got a bit of a mention here in the oh, one of the episodes. So, righto. Yeah. Righto. Just, just cool to do. Cool to do, but the issues are still there. Yeah, they certainly. Well, that's that's unbelievable. They certainly. You know, are. yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't believe what I'm reading. You know, mm. like truck, truck parking, mud carters' revenge, mm. truck bashing backfired as oh, well. Yeah, uh, as mud carters, well, we can't park anywhere yeah. you know, in well, in the town. We, we, we've got to buddy uh, be able to park somewhere in the capital cities. Yeah. There's nowhere to be parked. Nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. Oh, I've just uh, I've just got all these screenshots that you've sent me. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. From the magazine. Yeah. yeah. Let's have a look at. Uh, oh, look at that road noise. New yeah, South Wales. Pro- New South Wales proposes electronic logbooks. How's that? In- <laughs> what is it? May nineteen ninety-five. May nineteen ninety-five. And and here we are. Still fluffing around the idea of them. NTC spokesman told Truck and Life that there was no danger of electronic logbooks becoming compulsory. <laughs> well, there's no danger of that. No. That's been proven for 25 years. 
the NRTC regarded them as an alternative to conventional logbooks, not a replacement. Even if even if electronic logbooks get approved, drivers will need to carry a conventional logbook in the event the electronic one malfunctions. Yeah. Unbelievable. The basic problem was that drivers had multiple logbooks and licences. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We didn't do that, mate. That'd be illegal. Oh, oh yeah. You, you wouldn't do that. God, why Correct. would you... Why would you have a license in Victoria, New South Wales, and South Australia, and a logbook from each state? Why would you do that? I know. I mean, it, it was a system that you could do. So, <laughs> why would you? I mean, look, I finished school in '94, so right. I didn't start trucking until about '90, oh, '97, '98, yep. I reckon. Yep. Yeah, I had three or so years in the bush, mm. um, and then went trucking. One of the grand old age had just turned twenty-one, so. Yep. But how about this one too? Road trains rescue nations rail because oh. rails down like and they're allowing bigger road trains out of Adelaide. Well, oh. I'll be buggered. I'll be buggered. Why would, why would <laughs> you do that? And, and did you see this other one here? The, <laughs> where, was it, where, where was this one? A little lad there, owner drivers. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, are you often driving between major cities? Would you like a company? Would you like company on these long trips? Then contact Australian Carpooling Agency. Okay, we can give you a backpacker mm. to go in the truck with you for a safe and alternative hitchhiking. <laughs> this service is entirely free for the truck drivers. If you just offer a lift, bring this number. Wonder what the payment would be. No, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick a backpacker up. And take them city to city. Look, I could believe in that. The little two was in the back of one of those, you know, uh, one of those little. Oh dear. Help us give a backpacker a safe alternative to hitching. Well, I suppose this was in this was in the days of Ivan Milat and all that, wasn't it? Ninety four. Well, that, I that, used that, to. Yeah, I don't know. Mid nineties, I used to sleep in the forest there. I never really yeah. thought about it there, but yeah. Well, we we used to do a lot of oversights there. You'd pull up, Picton, you'd be in there somewhere and waiting to go through in the middle of the moor. One o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning when you can go for overflight. So yeah, yeah. I don't know how many times we stopped in the Blaine Grove State Forest. Yeah. <laughs> like over the years, but mm. how's this went? Hot, wet, and bogged. Just, you read my just, mind. Just got Hot, it, wet, mate. Bogged, Hot, eh? wet, and bogged. There's a picture of Mac Muncher there. Yeah, the Mac Muncher. What was it? That was funny. Welcome Mac to Frenchyville. Yeah. Population five, state of rain. One road train and three singles, and you've got like five people just there caught between, you know. Yeah. And I think if you read more into that, was that one there they were charging for a, a burger or something? And like the prices would be good for today, but they were yeah. probably big in the 90s. We're yeah. not charging $9 for a burger or something. I don't know. I think it was one of the articles I remember reading. So. Yeah, no, here it is. I've just, I just, it's in, the, it's in the hot, wet, and bog. For most blokes caught out by the rising waters, it meant an unscheduled holiday for over a week parked on the side of the road in some places. Yep. There were rumours of stitch up as prices for hamburgers soared in excess of $10. There you go. $10, $10 they for a coffee. They soared. The prices soared. Oh, I mean, if we can get a $10 burger, you, well, you're obviously at a fast food chain yeah. to get a $10 burger at the moment. Five uh, bucks for a cup of coffee. Well, that's, we're paying that now, so yeah. At the roadworks, yeah. 20 kilometres east of Norseman in Western Australia, there were four trucks parked high and dry on the bitumen. Yeah, yeah. If you left the bitumen, you disappear out of sight. <laughs> And do you know what they did out there? You know that road well. I, I do. know you know that road like yeah, the back of yeah, your head. Yeah. And what did they do? 
they built a proper road out there, didn't they? They did. They'll never let that happen again, won't they? No, no. So that proves that the West Australian government can do it once. Yeah. They should do it again. They should, shouldn't they? <laughs> I, I'm just intrigued, Matt. It's what a year 1995 was. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, what's, did you see that one about um, uh, raised up axles? It was, it was another little article oh, in there. Oh, road friendly. Yeah, suspension. and then, you, you know, we're talking that, that old, yeah, that road friend in the 70s, the spread bogey on the back would allow more weight. Yeah. And a lift up axle so you don't uh, use yeah. as much rubber. On the wear, wear and tear. Oh, I mean, I still think about lift up axles now. I think that, yeah. you know, it's, it, it has its place, you know, but we, we struggle with what I do with the drop deck. Having a raised up axle puts you over that meter ride height, which you've got to be a minimum meter ride height for for mass permits and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. so I'm caught of dropping wheels on the ground, and I can't really have it. I mean, they're probably engineered something. I mean, I've I've got an excellent trailer, and and the Drake engineers will probably do something. But mm. yeah, we 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 looked at raised up axles, but I, I don't reckon I had the clearance, you know, for no. for what we were trying to do, running big tires or bigger tires. You know, to, to offset the heat and the little seventeen R, so that they sort of get hot pretty quick. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be the thing, wouldn't it? I mean, getting yeah. them, getting them hot or blow them quicker than anything else. Yeah, and trying to get your height down on machines. I mean, we we constantly trying to drop the height of machine and trying to trying to have that advantage so we can get under regulations. You know, because <laughs> yeah, we've got different regulations out here in the west. We, well, different regulations. There's a lot of stuff that's different in the west, mate. Correct. Oh, no, I don't necessarily. Mine? I don't mean that in a bad way either. No, I know. I know. That, no, you don't. And you don't. You don't. Well, I understand what you're saying. There is so many things. Look, I, when I come to West Australia in 18 years ago, yeah. in, in whatever it was, I mean, I'm looking at B triples run down the road, and, and people over here were running B triples because the, the road trains were out yeah. and they needed to put two A trailers together. Yeah. And then and then you're looking in the east going, oh, look at us go. We've just brought in a B triple. WA is so far ahead in the freight realm and what they do it's 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 unbelievable what they were doing when they were doing it you know it blows me away but, and it's same with the farming mm. the farming industry in western australia mm. is is miles in front for what they've achieved because they what they need to do yeah okay my name's rod hennefy the current president of the national road freighters association and if you're a driver that wants things changed, who's going to do that for you? Uh, no one else can. You've got to take part. Consider joining the NRFA and helping us achieve those things. Join up and make a difference. Safe travelling. I've got a, a bit of uh, a bit of a recording of Murray Lay. I interviewed Murray Lay like ages, yeah. ages ago, ages ago. And he yeah. told me a story about how the triaxle prime movers and uh, the quad trailers and, and all that sort of st stuff started over in Kalgoorlie. Yep. And I've got that audio somewhere. I'll dig it out and I'll tack it onto the end of the story so the fantastic uh, so everyone really can interesting bike. Yeah, really interesting bike, Murray. Yeah. I can't remember the the uh, bloke's name, but he built three. He rang Kenworth up and told him I want three uh, tri drives. It wasn't Gould, was it? I'm not sure. I can't remember. 
Yeah, I mean, they were, they were, and Kennedys were building the trailers for them, and Gould were pretty big out of cow. Like no, these were Timon oh, trailers, mate. Timon built these oh, trailers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. They were fuel, oh, tank, they were fuel tankers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah anyway. I missed a lot of that era coming to the West when I did in the 2000s, you know. So. Great big brass balls. He rang up Kenworth and he ordered three C500s. Yeah. Try right. drive C500. Try drive C500. Yeah. So. I don't know. Back, back then, I mean, even even back then, they were several hundred thousand each. And I can imagine. And then go and order what would it be? They were quads, so twelve trailers. Yep. And uh, what? Tw- another twelve dollars, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I uh, guess everything's got to be snapped together. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just write the check for that. Thanks very much. And then he yeah. it, then he ran them for a couple of weeks with no permits. Can you imagine the kit that there would have been had if someone had caught that? <laughs> and then he rings up the boss at Main Roads and says, "Oh, look, there's a plane ticket for you to fly out to Cal, and we'll throw yeah. you in a helicopter and you can go and see these things work. How they work? Yeah, go and see what they do. I mean, great big massive balls. And I've got it. I've got it uh, from Murray Lay's." Mouth and he does name the guy that actually did. I can't remember his name. Yeah, do it. yeah, I'll take yeah. It on I'll, the, I'll, I've heard. I'll take it yeah, on good. the end of the story. It's great, uh, great little piece. It's a, a snapshot of how things were in the wild west, mate. Well, well, see now that I'm a little bit West Australian, I've got a nice West Australian team. We've talked about this in previous yeah. podcasts, but yeah. I sort of the idea of the wild west mm. is a really interesting concept because. The West got it right on so many things. Yeah. So I, because I, I, and I said this to, I said this to where my good mate and the trucking legend, Mister Steve Graham, it is yeah, yeah, about yeah. the Wild West. He said, "We're not the Wild West, Yogi. We got it right out here, and we were smart about how we did it. Yeah. And 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 we had the right powers to do the right things with the right permits and the right way of trucking. I.e., main roads was doing the right things, you know. So it's a very, yeah, it's a very hard. Hard pill to swallow when they call it the Wild West out here, when it's actually pretty smart, the transport industry in WA. Well, I wrote an article uh, called I'm, I'm in the Wild West when I went up the Pilbara and I was driving the quads up there. You most certainly did. And uh, I was surprised, actually, when I got over to Western Australia and I learned, you know, I mean, I'd been running backwards and forwards from Sydney to Perth for a while. Yeah. But you can't really call yourself a... Uh, you know, a, a, a big truck driver, you're running up and down the bloody air highway, for God's sake. It's not as if you're going, yeah, you know. Yeah, you've won a dime a dozen out there, through. That's right. Yeah. So we did that for a while, uh, three and a half years. But then when I came over and uh, I, I went and was towing a couple of tankers around for a little while, carting the the, uh, the Nutrien out of Quinana. Yep. And I did that for a little while. Uh, that was fun, but you know, I ended up in the Pilbara driving the big trucks, and and I learned all about the AM system and how it works and how it was gazetted and and how yeah. all that sort of stuff works. And you, I mean, you drive around the row, for example, and you see you know combinations running around there. That if you run them around the M7, someone would have a real kitten, you know, in Sydney. Oh, but things yeah, are getting bigger over here bucket. now. Things are getting yeah, bigger. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem yeah, with are. it is, is the infrastructure is not keeping up with it, is it? Yeah, and, that, and, we, and we, we can we can discuss this till the cows come home, and they yeah. won't come home when there's three cows hooked up together. And you know, yeah. look, and I, I, I I've been pushing for this for a long time. Look, mm. you, you come into Melbourne, and they can run forty foot containers into Melbourne under a road train, yeah. which is fantastic, no dramas. But the first BP you come to at um, Deer Park or or wherever it is, Melton there, yeah. you come into the BP, 
and all the all the bays at the BP to stop overnight are set up for B doubles and singles. Yeah, you get a couple of road trains in there. They're sort of taking up two bays. Yeah, and then you get in there and you can't you can't get between one because there's sort of not enough room and you don't want to be sleeping right on top of old mate's truck. Yeah, so you you end up going further and then you then you end up in Macca's at the ring road. And you think well that's a bit hard in there because there's never a parking spot there. So it just becomes an infrastructure issue when when the bigger combinations get let on especially Victorian roads, and I, I can only imagine in Sydney it'd be the same, when you're allowing containers to run 40-foot setups in, you, you're just bringing more wheels and more trailers into urban areas, which, which might or might not be right or wrong. Yeah, well, parking in the metropolitan areas has been at a premium for a long time. We can go around in circles on that. Speaking about the uh, the Maccas on the ring road, the two, the two Maccas on the ring road there in Melbourne, on the inbound one... Yeah. There is a bloke that's been parked in there for I don't know how long. It's probably be, it'd be the best part of twelve months, I suppose. Yeah, I've been in there a few times. There's a fellow in there camped in there. He's got his buddy trailer in there and his really? house, and he basically lives in the buddy. It's like a big van, like just camped oh. in there, living there, living rent free, having a shower. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't shower at that place. It's a pigsty. Yeah, but, I know, but us us Western runners, what do we got until we get out? There's not oh, much we can do about it. There's well, a couple yeah. of places around over around Truganina and that now, but all the parkings at a premium. I had a fellow uh, actually ring me up the other day saying that the uh, the local drivers are going parking their cars in the parking spots. Oh, yeah. right, and then they go off and they do their local work to come back and park their truck there and take their car and go home. So I, I had a very very good mate of mine. East West operator, no names, of course, but he uh, he he said, "Do you know what? I just park across the front of them. I don't live in this town. <laughs> I don't have a choice, yep. and I need to stop there, and I need to break, and yeah. I need the rest. So I literally park across the front of them. Oh, right. <laughs> <I'm> all... <laughs> oh, here's the one in Perth when they dragged dragged a dolly, yeah. dragged a rigid out in front of a dolly. Yeah, <laughs> is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. There's a there's all right. There's, there's... <laughs> There's plenty of it around. There's I a know, video. Know, of, there's a video of a guy at Wallen driving a K200, pushing a car out of the parking bay with his bull bar. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. There's a video in Perth too of a, a rigid getting dragged out of the way in front of a dolly and a trailer and a back trailer. Oh, there was a bloody fella there with a uh, got pissed off at a bottom of the boat ramps. There, dragged a car out of the way with his four wheel drive in the boat ramp. That was on. That was on the news there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you're right. I mean, oh. you, you so well, I mean, it goes back to May 1995. Yep. We're talking about truck parking issues in Canberra. Yep. Like, as you well know, Canberra's a big capital. No one can get around it. No one knows where the roads are because it doesn't make sense here in Canberra, but it's not a big town. And here they are talking about truck parking issues in 1995. And what are we talking about today? Truck parking issues. We could. This is an interesting segment that you caught. You caught me on the hot the other day when you said, "Oh, truck and life," and I'm like, "Oh, mate, I'll be working truck and life Sunday afternoon." I reckon. Yeah, like, yeah. I wonder. You know, truck and life was yeah. one of those magazines that sort of went by the wayside. It did. And yeah. uh, what happened there? I don't know. Anyway, no one really seems to know. The one like I, th- I think uh, Andrew Stewart owned it there, didn't he? It was Andrew Stewart? Uh, I, I honestly don't know, but I, but I, but Bruce Honeywell and Bobby yeah, Millen and they all and um oh Mark Mark someone Mark yeah. oh he was there. I was just reading an article. Okay. 
Um, Howard Shank was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, Howard Shank used to used to write from. Yeah, he's writing yeah. for. Uh, I think he's writing for trucktales.com or something. Now I think they've got a little bit of journalism happening these days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, so yeah, it was. Oh well, I, oh, I love it. What a, what a publication. <laughs> yeah. I and just I just wonder. I mean, obviously, you know, setting up a print magazine is is uh, a little bit tough these days. I mean, it's yeah, hugely expensive to set up a print magazine. I think Truck and Life sort of got taken over in the end, and there was a a bit of they stopped doing what they were famous for. They stopped talking about trucks, and they started talking about crap. I think that yeah, maybe. Been. Well, well, it had a cult following, Truck and Life, and uh, you know the fact that we're standing here talking about it on a on a Sunday afternoon, it it, it had a massive cult following, and and I I loved it, and you know it was it was a big part of my trucking career growing up, and yeah, and as a kid growing up, you know posters on the wall, it was a it was a big, big idea, and I just oh man, I, I and then now look, I've got mates now, right? I've, mm. I've got mates whose dads were in truck and life, and their pictures are in truck and life as young blokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty incredible. Clarky down in Portland, Clarky Senior and Clarky Junior. Yeah, what because Junior's a mate of mine, and Senior, he's a good mate of mine as well. We've been down to Haywood, Woodward, and the truck show down at Haywood down there. It's it's fantastic. What's this Stuart Clark we're talking it. about? Stuart Clark, yeah. He used to own King yeah. Henry. Oh, uh, yeah. With the Freightliner or? No, no, the, the the Ford, the LTL. Oh, it could be. I don't know. You know me from down that way, weren't you? Like, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, my business yeah. was based in Warrnambool. But, yeah. yeah. But yeah. back in the day. Yeah, he, he had a beautiful Freightliner, F- FLC yeah, or something uh, like that. Or I don't know. Falling for Concord Park or something along those lines. I don't know. The Stuart, the Stuart Clark I knew had an LTL. And it was called King Hen- King Henry. It was called. Probably is the same. Stuart Clark, long haired, uh, bit of a loud looking. Oh bloke. yeah, famous, <laughs> famous for gutter parties. Yeah, that's him. Fam- Every day of the week, yeah, good fam- mate of mine. Famous for gutter parties, and uh, hey, uh, this yeah. Mac, this Ch Mac. Yeah, they've got the specs here. I've just leafed through and found the specs on this thing. Nice looking truck. Yeah, well, yeah, if you're into Macs, I suppose. Yeah, I mean they were they were a bit of an interesting model. Yeah, as such, you know, and I, I, a farmer had one over here, a good mate of mine, a good farmer over here. Yeah, if Amanda calls him her other dad, like <laughs> I drove, he had one, he had an ex set one over here for a long time, you uh, know, and yeah, um, but they were, they were too light though. They weren't, they just weren't heavy enough. Yeah, well, this thing had a four fifty four in it, EA seven four fifty four. Yeah, yeah, thirty six inch high rise. Regular run, Melbourne to Sydney. I, re- I used to love the way they used to take a truck and they'd feature it and they'd put some cool photos up and they'd give you all the yeah. specs. And, yeah. Mate, we're and missing- the fact you'd see this truck every night and what's it show and tell was what it was yeah, called. Wasn't it? Yeah, well, we're missing yeah. out, aren't we, not having this sort of stuff anymore. None of them. Oh, we are. We are. The, 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 the kids of today, you young ones, just, you miss all this stuff. We're probably a little bit past the idea now of a, uh, you're leafing away in the background there, dude. No, 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 no. It's the strut on the shed. It's windy. It's 30, <laughs> 35 degrees. It's the bracing on the side of the shed. I'm trying to – I'm outside because it's nice in the shed and me and the dog are in the corner. Yep. But, the, yeah, that the wind blows and it's a bit of a bugger. Sorry about that. To that's, the that's, that's okay. I'll turn away. I'll turn around. I'll look be, the other way. be like <laughs> – <laughs> Rose would sort of walk in here now and see all the pictures on the screen in front of me, and she'll say, "What? Why don't you watch porn like a normal man?" <laughs> yeah, it's too hard. Like it doesn't interest you. 
Oh, Jesus. We'll get ourselves into, we'll get ourselves into trouble, mate. Oh, no, this we're CH. in trouble, mate. This CH. What, what gearbox did it have in it? Let's have a look. Uh, I reckon. I reckon. Tw- uh, T12. Transition. Mac. Mac 18, Mac 18 speed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All Mac. I mean, no, the beauty of those trucks, they? they're yeah. all Mac. Everything in, yeah, everything in them, front to back, she's all Mac. Front to back, all Mac. Built like a Ooh. Mac truck. Built like a Mac truck. Went like a Mac truck, you know. Mm. Where, where is this one now? Now, let me just scoot back to April 1985, Thompson's T900 road oh. train rig winner. What what are we doing? What an absolute gem. Uh, I Ooh. think we're going to have to do more conversations. Anyway, Ooh. as I said, uh, we've got old mate Bob doing something to talk about on today's show, and Come he's on. got an article. Right. I'll leave with you. Well, he's got an article talking about um, the calculations he did uh, when they were talking about drivers, owner drivers not being paid enough back in the yeah. day and uh, a little bit of an expose on what one of the companies did. It's really quite bizarre. Bizarre is probably the only word you can think of. Uh, Been yeah. a lot of fun talking to you. We're going to do the news uh, later on. Yeah, we'll catch you for the news. We'll catch you for the news later on, mate. So um, there you go. Good on you, mate. A little earlier, Mike spoke with Murray Lay from WA. Mike left the tape rolling. Well, it's all digital really these days, so we don't actually use tape anymore, but, well, you know what I mean. What ensued was a fascinating snapshot of WA trucking history that was well worth sharing with you. Here's the post-recording chat that they had. This is The Real Wild Wild West. very interesting to people you might not be aware but on the east coast western australia is like another planet i do get that reasonably regularly you've got a very very different feel for things over there and a different set of rules and people don't understand why it's the case so it's a completely different kettle of fish it is and where wa is fortunate is we've had a pretty accommodating regulator for a period of time wa main roads mike they've been pretty bloody innovative and, and have allowed some operators that push the boundaries. Mm. Locally, as an example, when tri-drives and quad-road trains first come into fruition here in WA, you know, nearly 26, 27 years ago, we had a local guy called Gary Connell, was a fuel distributor, and he went to main roads and said, I want to make tri-drive trucks and I want to add an A-trailer in and I want to run quads and I want to do this and I want to do that. And we had a guy called Albert O'Neill was running main roads at the time and, and he went, go away, Gary, I like your dreams, but you know, I'm never going to get that through the directors of main roads. Know. Anyway, so Gary just went and got them built. <laughs> he got Kenworth to build three tri-drive T501s at the time, and Tymons built the tankers and the dollies for him. And then he rang Albert O'Neill up and said, Albert, there's a plane ticket for you to fly to Kalgoorlie, and I'll have a helicopter waiting for you, and you can watch my tri-drives carting 147,000 litres of fuel to Mount Keith, which is sort of 480 k to the north of here. Yeah. And Albert said, what do you mean, Gary? And he said, I've got them built and they've been running to Mount Keith without permits for the last two weeks. <gasps> <laughs> so they flew Albert up. Albert jumped in the chopper and he followed one of the trucks up the road for the best part of 100 k's, looking at how it performed. And he went, right, Gary, you win. Yep. 
he went back to the director of main roads with all the video footage and said, these guys have done that. And that was the birth of tri-drivers and, uh, and quad row trains in WA. Tell you what, it's a hell of a big money bet to make though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's, I guess, in our industry in WA, we've got a fair few characters like that that are prepared to have a red-hot crack. You know, so. Can I actually put that out? <laughs> Can I say that? Yeah, 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 that's common knowledge, so. All right. Now. Unfortunately, Gary's health isn't that great nowadays. He's not in a really position to be able to talk about it. Mm. Yeah, but he's one of the guys. Him and another fella, if you want to do a bit of research, a fella called Ross Atkins out of Makerfarrow. Mm. Really instrumental in driving that tri-drive, four-trailer type combination in WA. Wow. That's, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> it really is. Love your work. Beautiful, mate. Thank you. Appreciate your time. So that was Murray Lay from MLG in... Kalgoorlie, Western Australia. Murray is the owner and managing director of one of the largest privately owned fleets in Australia. Thank him very much for his time. Take care out there and we'll see you on the road. Here on the road, it's time for the news. G'day, Yogi. News time, mate. How are you going out there? News time. It just feels like this news comes around over ever so quickly, Mike. It really does. Comes around so, every week, Yogi. No, good. No. Yeah, I know. We I could know, do it every well, day. Well, well, small steps on the radio there, bud, and we'll see what plays out, you know. We can uh, we can make that happen. But, yeah, on the road podcast news, we're ready. There's been some interesting news at hand. Don't get me wrong there, good listeners. And uh, there's a few things I don't know if I'll be, uh, what is the word? Uh, I'll be, what what I can say about the news. (laughs) Because there is news that's problematic. What used to worry me, mate, I used to get really so wound up with all this. Nandy used to try and calm me down. And it just worries me that we've had a bit of a role reversal. Yeah. Yeah. You've become the master. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about up to the master. I'm certainly going to be the calming influence. <laughs> Mike, the master Mike man. The ma- Have you got a dad joke for us this week? Oh, no, I didn't, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Unbelievable. No dad I've got joke. a long one, but, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. I don't want to know. <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> All right, a bit of uh, a bit of bit of news from over your side of the country, mate. The staged reopening of the Great Northern Highway is underway, and I believe the contract for the Fitzroy River Bridge is going to be awarded very, very soon. I was having a talk to the Kim Kardashian of road transport in Western Australia a little while ago, and he said it's all happening over there, mate. What do you know? Yeah, it's got to happen. There, there, there is just no two ways about it. It can't not happen. It has to be priority one, focus number one. Whether it's from a state level, federal level, it's got to be priority number one. They're going to have a little bit of a delay up there with the traffic. They're going to have some uh, each-way situations happening there. It looks like there's going to be a few delays. You're going to have to wait about 30 minutes maybe at each end before you can get through. Obviously, plan your trip, mate. That's the that's the key to that one, isn't it? Yeah, and, and as you well know, bud, because you've been across in the West, no one really cares about waiting in WA. No. I know it's different on the East Coast because you've got a thousand different roadworks. Yeah. But Western Australia, what I've learned about being in WA it's all pretty casual when you're running the north. It's not casual driving. It's not casual doing the work, but you do the job. Yeah. And the job at hand is plan your trip, wait it out, get the escort, 
take your time, get across successfully, rather than getting stuck, waiting for days, you know, going around through Port Augusta, which, you know, I've been wandering across the paddock and uh, there's been a lot of triples coming across the paddock at the moment. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is a whole another breaking news kettle of fish. Yeah. All right. Well, moving along then, mate. The Toowoomba Bypass eastbounders reopened to truckies. There's one lane there, and they're concerned that if you go to try to go through there with a wide load, that you're more than a metre off the ground. So I suppose that's to clear all the... Didn't they just make a bypass at Toowoomba, and how has it not been open? Or am I, <laughs> am I staring the plot here like, for no apparent reason other than I don't know? Well, like, I would have thought they spent bazillion dollars up there building a bypass, and why is it shut? Well, just to bring you up to speed, seeing as how you haven't been paying attention to the news, mate, <laughs> there's a little bit of a landslip up there, apparently. And, oh, uh, right. So and, didn't... Yeah, so they the, the sort of the, the sides of the road basically slipped down onto the road and you couldn't drive through there unless you had a four-wheel drive with a goat attached to the front of it. Oh, dearie me. And how long's that been blocked for? Well, it's been blocked for a while. The TMR have been up there beavering away trying to repair it, but now they've got one lane open eastbound and uh, oh. you can drive through. But they're, they're saying that oversized loads should be uh, a metre off the ground. I'm assuming that is to uh, to clear any of the uh, road furniture and barriers and things like that they might have in place. You're a wide load carter. What would you, what would you say? That would be the reason? Yeah, so it'll be a metre off the ground, but how wide's the trailer? So my, we, we get asked this all the time, how wide are you at the wheels? Well, I'm at the wheels at 2.5, 2.45 at the mm. wheels. But my deck widener is out at 3.5, 3.8, 4.3. Are they, are they still charging full tolls to run on that road? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, right Don't even, don't even. Calm me down. Frustrating. Don't you know, even you're start You're not getting me. the service and, and you're, paying, you're paying a premium for the service that doesn't exist. So. I can only hope that that is their priority number one. Don't even start me on pine tolls, mate. It's just Ooh, not a good place. It's not a good I, place. I, Ask Andy. He's, he's still scarred, I'm sure. I, I, I don't use the word hate, right? It's such a powerful word, good people. Yeah, yeah. But I dislike the idea of tolls. So do immensely. I. Well, we pay yeah. enough registration. We pay enough bloody fuel excise and all sorts of other taxes. And it never seems to end up where it needs to go, does it? One of my recent trips to Brisbane maybe six months ago and the inland road was shut so I went from Melbourne Sydney Brisbane yep and Amanda's like do you realize you spent $300 in tolls I'm like well I couldn't get up the inland road she goes did you factor that in I'm like no I didn't factor that in no no and it's yeah so we don't have tolls in the west and I certainly hope they don't bring them in because I don't agree with tolls, and especially not in Melbourne when you're sitting in traffic yeah. and you're paying for the premium to sit in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and the tolls are enforceable by law. That's the other part about it, isn't it? And the worst part about it is if you slip off North Connects and go up Pendendills Road, mate, there's a couple of cameras there to catch you and the fine's worth nearly 300 yeah. bucks. Yeah, guess what they do? They send you a fine. Way to go. When you don't when you don't want to sit in traffic or sit in bumper to bumper, you try and go around to keep moving. Nah, no worries. No, no. Ooh, the news, the news, the news, you know. Well, the only reason you're allowed to drive up Pennant Hills Road now is if you're uh, doing a delivery up there or you've got your oversized, you can't go through the tunnel, or uh, you've got DG on because they don't want to let you drive through the tunnel with DG on. Well, I'm dangerous goods, so... Yeah. Uh, oh, no, you are, mate. You don't have to tell me. 
portable cameras to enhance speed enforcement in Queensland, mate. They uh, they love to uh, do their informal tax uh, tax invasions and revenue raising up there, don't they? Oh, portable. Oh, I don't know what I think about that. There's the case that you know if you don't speed, you've got nothing to worry about. Well, that that is every enforcement's answer to everything, isn't it? Yeah. Don't do the wrong thing and you don't have a problem. Yeah, well, the problem with yeah. it is, though, is they, they, they're towing these trailers around all over the place and they just plonk them there and they're like, I don't know. It's just it, To me, a marked highway patrol car has more effect on the traffic behaviour of drivers in the traffic than any bloody yellow-painted trailer on the side of the road. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Queensland were the first in the world to roll out the uh, seatbelt telephone dual-purpose cameras up there and... To me, I mean, look, I don't want to see anyone on a, on the phone when they're driving along. We've had that incident there last night on the news here in New South Wales, the lady with the baby in the lap not wearing a seatbelt and on the phone at the same time. Yeah. So she was a triple treat. We all know that they're out there and they're doing it, but I just sort of wonder the effectiveness of, of sending someone a ticket in the mail. I mean, if that woman had been pulled up by a highway patrol car or or a highway patrol motorcycle or something like that, and you can see the disco lights on the side of the road, yeah. then that has that has an effect on everyone. It reminds people that they are out there. Cameras yeah. are just there, and as far as I'm concerned, they're just revenue-raising devices. That's all I think about that. Well, I, I believe any camera is a revenue-raising device. Any big brother looking down is a revenue-raising, and uh, that's my news. But, but we, I mean... That lady should have a license taken off for twelve months. Well, I it's think the, she, I think she has been banned from driving. I think not given back until your satisfactory pass and advanced driving course. Yeah, well, but the fines. Well, the punishment doesn't equal the crime. We don't take it seriously enough. It's too easy nope, to get your nope. bloody license. Yep, well, and, it's, it's too easy to retain it. Like mm. you should just carry on and think, oh, you know, well, it is what it is. The kid was crying. Well, yeah, look, we all grew up, well, you didn't because you're a bit, you got a few years on me, but I grew up in car seats and, yeah, uh, yeah we all, you know, you drive. I don't know how people don't drive and not pay attention to the road. You shouldn't be paying attention to everyone else. If you can't mm. focus on the job at hand, you shouldn't be behind there. Well, you know what I reckon, don't you? I, reckon, I, I know a lot of what you reckon, but tell me. I reckon if you're sitting here and driving around the traffic and you're not swearing, you're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swearing's an interesting way of looking at traffic, yeah. <laughs> tell you what, it makes me swear sometimes. <laughs> well, I know where you drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not driving at the moment, mate. I'm calmer than I've ever been. My blood pressure is right down now. I haven't been behind yeah, the wheel for... Yeah, I know, for... I know, I know. Rose better give you jobs to do. They haven't been behind the wheel for a month, mate. Haven't been oh. behind the wheel for a month. Let's just get on, mate. Let's have a look at this rubbish that we're seeing now, this brain fart that's come out of the Grattan Institute about removing the fuel subsidy and charging the fuel excise. What do you reckon about that? I don't even want to talk about this. Don't you? No. Am I I doing the news and refusing to talk about this absolute stupidity of a story? Yeah. Why? And then, then I read in that article that I was reading on Twitter or wherever it was, you mm-hmm. know, doing my due diligence yeah. on this crap. Yeah. You know, they're trying to ban trucks 2003 going into Melbourne as well or Sydney. Like, far out. Look, stop taking on what America does and start concentrating on what we do. I've got a 97 900 yeah. that runs a clean, efficient, pre-emissions motor. Now, this motor runs as clean as a whistle and as good as it'll ever run. 
So in my argument is the emissions are creating more uh, fuel usage, therefore more like more problems on the road. So take away all the emissions out of trucks and let's just go back to genuine, clean, burning diesel motors mm. and we'll have a much better system and we won't be worrying about so much other plus, 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 plus. Well, you're talking about stuff like AdBlue and all that sort of thing, aren't AdBlue, you? AdBlue, EGR. Like, yeah, the EGR. Yeah, my, 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 my truck's pre-all that, my yep. motor, sorry, is pre-all that, and it runs as clean and better on fuel as an EGR AdBlue motor, current motor. Yep. So why do I get penalised because I'm running an older truck and a clean, efficient motor? Does my head in watching this? And then you get some people, and I'll say people in a nice word, that go and do a study on this and go, oh, this is what we need to do because it looks good on paper. Go away. Well, they're go talking away. about saving. I'll, I'll go away. If you bring it in, I'll go away. I don't, I don't need this job that much. To, I can't pass that on. It's already massive fuel cost. Well, we, we, we worked it out year to date last year. I think we were about 75, 80 grand worse off on fuel. Yeah, we're right. one truck operation. Wow. It's a lot of money. You put that in perspective. That's a wage for somebody. Year to date in a financial year, we're somewhere 70 to 80 grand worse off. When I interviewed Murray Lay a couple of years ago, he was telling me that he he uses about seven, eight million litres of diesel a month. I know, I know. I can only but imagine them big players. Oh, the fuel bill. The fuel bill. It'd be astronomical. Can you do that? No. <laughs> We've discussed it, so I beep, beep, beep. That's deep as low as high as I can get. Breaking news. Breaking news, Breaking buddy. News. Breaking news. BP. BP. That's uh, BP, the green machine. Oh, come on, give us some good BP news. They've announced a $27 billion, that's billion with a B, dollar profit. Oh, my goodness. Really? $27 billion. In billion there. dollar profit. And, <laughs> $27 and, billion. And I'll just explain to you that it's cost me $80,000 more a year for fuel. Yeah, mm. BP of and they, and are they happy with that? Are I, they happy with I, themselves? Does, I can imagine that the the guys in the boardroom there are rubbing their hands together, thinking about yeah, their bonuses so for all sure. The, the CEOs have all gotten their little bonuses, and yet here we are struggling to pass on. Because my well, let's put it in perspective. I pass it on to the end user. I yep. deal with farmers. Yeah, I don't have a plus plus. I don't go to someone who puts a value adding on. When I can't freight, I go straight to farmers. I'm, you know, as small as my food chain is, I'm at the top of the food chain when it comes to going straight to customer. And 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 so we we struggling, we're struggling to pass that cost on, and and they're the end users. Yeah. And yet, BP posted that. Oh, breaking! I'll news. say it to you again, mate. Twenty-seven seven billion. Dollars, twenty-seven billion. That's unbelievable, isn't it? You just can't even well, fathom. You cannot even fathom. And now, look, I know that they've got huge investments and they do all sorts of things, but that's the profit. Yeah, I know. I know. So your business should. So if you're running a third of a third of a third, which is where we used to be until the fuel prices went absolutely exorbitantly through the roof. Yeah. You know, third, so if they're running on a third, well, they they're turning over a lot of billions of dollars. <laughs> you know, twenty-seven so, yeah. billion. <laughs> Yeah, but if that's their profit, so a third of that and a third of that. So, 27 you know, in the skyrocket. Yeah, so 30, 30, 60 billion dollars is their business running model. Maybe we should yeah, go and, and buy some. Yeah, they're making 27 million profits. So. Maybe we should go and buy some BP shares, mate. Oh, I'd just be happy if we get the fuel back to where it should be. Yeah. 
I'd be, I don't really care about shares, but, you know, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> oh, no, so that's it, mate. That's the news. We've got well, nothing hey, we'll else. Well, breaking news, beep, 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 you know, uh, boy, I broke ute and truck muster right. on uh, on the 18th of Feb. So Adam from Old Dog Diesel over there at Boy Up, he's, he's got the show back up and running, and uh, we're loving truck shows. So there's a variety of things on you. I sprung this on you, truck categories, not no, There's no, best truck. That's all good. Local farm truck. We've got best local farm truck. Best show, best restored, and best American. So, so the best yeah, local farm to... truck is that the one that's got the most number eight wire on it? No, you've got no. Hang on, we're in cable tie here, about all right? We've skipped from my time. We're into cable ties, all right? If you've got cable ties holding stuff on, like you can put your truck in. So, it's a, it's a boy up Ute and truck muster. So they'll have a yeah, but they'll have a lot of good country music being played there, and 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 a lot of good things going on there at Boy Up on that weekend of the 18th of February, which is in a couple of weeks. Are you going down? I might not be back. I'm I'm in Wagga on the weekend for the National Road Freighters Conference as well. So All right, yeah. I might I might not actually be back. Yeah, which Come is a bit frustrating because all the Mac Master are going, everybody's going, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm. I'll be pushing up, but I'll be at Wagga on the weekend for the National Road Raiders Conference on their annual general meeting Friday night or Friday, Friday night, then the conference on Saturday. If you want to get involved and you're in Wagga on Saturday, get down to the RSL and have your say. Great lineup of people. Come down and meet Yagi. Oh, don't worry about meeting me. Meet the other people on the panel. Yeah, it's no. a good thing. Yeah. Open mic. We're having an open mic, mate. So there'll be a little bit of a chance for you to ask. Some, uh, some industry heavyweights, some serious questions if you want to get down there. Get involved. Like the National Road, National Road Freight is turning some good wheels. Yeah. Get involved. And and he's, like you said, open mic. If you've got a question that is sustainable in a room full of top-end executive transport people, yeah. well, bring yourself down, get yourself a cup of coffee and sit down on the table and make yourself known yep. on Saturday at the National Road Freighters Conference. Free to attend. Free to attend, your voice will be heard. Yeah, Brownie's organised a bit of a, uh, a truck recovery demonstration as well. We've got the yeah, boys coming down to stand one yeah. on its wheels. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be really good. So you're looking forward to that. All right. right, I'll see you there, mate. Right, mate. Good news. Good news. As everyone knows, I'm talking to everyone that got uh, Guernsey on the Rest Area Steering Committee. I've managed to track down John Beer. He's standing up in the back of a stock crate apparently at the moment. So if you hear any mooing or stuff going on, you'll know why. John, you uh, put your hand up to be on the committee. Why did you do that, mate? I just think we uh, we don't get looked after enough. And uh, so you're hoping that the outcome will be that... Uh, We'll make some positive change and look at some of these fatigue issues a little bit more seriously. For sure. No worries about it. That's probably why I put my hand up because you just get sick of banging your head up against the wall and and Glenn, uh, to his character and that sort of thing, he, to me, he strikes me as a good bloke and and I, I think we all of us might go a long way. And I, and I, I say all of us because we've got to be a team. That's right, we do. Yeah. Uh, my hope would be that uh, the drivers that are on the on the steering committee can be a little bit pragmatic, and there's some stuff that obviously blokes will disagree on. But I would hope that uh, a democratic process sort of takes place, and you can you can come to agreement on some things to the benefit of everyone. Look, the hard part about all this, and you know as well as I do, you can put ten people in a room, and not everyone's going to agree. So I just think that yeah. if we can come to consensus. Uh, it's going to be better for everybody with the industry, and especially uh, with Glenn being in government, and then hopefully um, 
a few more people might listen to a lot of our problems that we've got going on out there now. All right, John. Well, thanks for giving me a couple of minutes, mate. I know you're busy. We'll catch up later. I'd love to talk to you some more about some stocky stuff because I've never driven a stock crate, mate. You can give me some education. No worries, mate. Anytime you want, give me a ring because I carry the phone with me all the time. So if you want to talk to me, anybody who wants to talk to me, just ring me. No drama. No worries, John. Thanks for your time, mate. You have a great day. Absolutely, boy. Righto, moving on with the uh, bit of a brief conversation we're having with everyone that's on the Rest Area Steering Committee being chaired by Glenn Stirl. The sittings are going to be coming up early in the new year. I've got my old mate Rod Hanafy, President of the National Road Freighters Association, who is going to be on the Steering Committee. Rod, the two questions were, why did you put your hand up and what do you hope to achieve from it? I'm not going to even ask you why you put your hand up, mate, because you've had your hand up for 20 bloody years. So what do you hope to achieve from it? Man, I suppose it's um, it's the first time we've ever had that level of government support. Uh, as you say, I've been trying to do it for so long. Uh, it, it's just something that uh, we, we've been ignored just for so many years. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen, mate, at the moment that New South Wales is, is now asking... Oh, where do we want rest areas? And it's just so cynical in a way when you know there are these overtaken lanes on the new they keep taking the bloody things away. So uh, I've got a five-page response written for them so far, and uh, they're not going to like most of what they read in that. But uh, it's terrible the fact that they can turn around and ask when when they're actually taking them away from us, mate. And look, they're so cynical. I know they've changed their tune now, but, geez, we we waited so long, and they don't care. They they don't need the rest areas for them, and um, somebody's got to do something about it. And, and, look, I really hope the committee will have the say and the weight of the government behind them to actually see something achieved because it's been a fight for so long. It sure has. All right, mate. Well, we'll just leave that one there. Supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing Just smile and tell them Never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment And say g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue For the Australian road transport and logistics industries Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Something to talk about this week. My, uh, my good friend, Bob McMillan is joining us once again 
to talk about something that he understands quite well and has experience in something that we're still talking about more than 40 years later. I'm very, very honoured to have Bob contributing to the show and when one of the elder statesmen of the industry does speak, I think some of us would be well advised to listen to them. Certainly Bob is not saying anything that many of us have not been saying for quite some time. Anyway, have a listen to what Bob's got to say. Something to talk about, that's for sure. The subject of setting rates in the transport industry and the RSRT has reared its ugly head again. In the Australian last weekend, there was an article to quote, Truckies have told Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke not to repeat the mistakes of the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal in its new industrial crackdown, warning against uncompetitive rates that target 35,000 owner-drivers and force them out of business. The pushback from the trucking industry, which wants the government to put working drivers at the heart of consultations, comes after the Australian uh, revealed plans to resurrect RSRT powers by enabling the Fair Work Commission to enforce minimum safety and entitlement standards for the road transport sector. Australian Trucking Association Chair David Smith said the RSRT, set up by the Gillard government in 2012, unfairly targeted owner-drivers and left them emotionally broken. I just hope both sides of the, of the debate have learnt a lot since RSRT won, which was a debacle. End of quote. Well, David, this is not a new development. This sort of discussion and toing and froing has been going on for a long, long time. I've been involved with it since 1978. In uh, 1978, there was an inquiry called the Macdonald Inquiry instituted in New South Wales, and there was also another inquiry, the Hay Inquiry. I did research into my operating costs and that sort of thing because I'd been an owner-driver for five years at the time, or five years by 1980 anyway. One of the things I discovered was that if you had a close look at the situation, it was it was more than dire. My former wife and I hit some very troubled waters in the middle of 1978, and as much as I thought I knew my costs well and understood them, I found out the hard way very, very forcefully that uh, while I might, I might have understood my costs and been prepared to only work for what I considered were reasonable or cost-effective rates, none of those figures included a provision for uh, downtime after a serious accident or personal tragedy. It was a very, very troubling time. So uh, this has been a bit of a bee in my bonnet ever since because formalising rates that just aren't effective enough is not the way out. Um, And to give you an example of where that sits, in my research during the uh, blockades, when everyone was saying truckies were going broke, but no-one was putting figures to it. So I sat down and did a bit of checking around, and um, thanks to a couple of mates... May Nicholas had a uh, shuttle service running from Sydney to Adelaide and back. Bogey bogey trucks, stage drivers and a very good service for their customers and I'm pretty sure it was fruitful for them too or they wouldn't have been doing it. The wages bill was interesting for them and for me because when you toted up the wages bill for the full journey from Sydney to Adelaide and back and then you'd calculated the rates out that were on offer at the time for a subby to run a bogey bogey from Sydney to Adelaide and back... The wages bill for May Nicholas was $84 more than the bill for the subby. How you consider that to be anything other than criminal, I do not know. And that's been the issue all along. I'm on record in the uh, December issue of Trucking Life in 1980. You're not wishing to support the Australian Road Transport Federation slash TWU owner-driver minimum rates that came out. My objection was that the minimum 
would become the maximum and either way they weren't sufficient because I'd found out the hard way. And David Smith and his comments in that article last weekend also said that the rate becomes the rate and not negotiable. I had experience to back that up when the minimum rates came out in 1980. I've always had a couple of customers of my own. One of the customers uh, went elsewhere when uh, he decided that I couldn't justify charging him more than the minimum rate. He obviously found someone else who'd been working much cheaper than that and thought they'd won the lottery. But anyway, there you go. When I was asked to summarise my objections by uh, Trucking Life, by the late Malcolm B. Johnson and my mate Andrew Stewart, who was working for him then, I said, it's a toothless tiger, a snow job. They're cleverly put together. It's an insult to people with any knowledge of ex- or experience in the industry. All it does is ensure that ARTF members don't pay rates lower than those of September 1980. And that was the thing. The, the rates were going to be formalised that were already, by my research, not enough for people to even survive, let alone uh, provide for tragedy down the track. Anyway, it went on for a while and it just fell apart and died a natural death, which you would expect it to have done. And then, of course, then we get to the RSRT. In 2016, it was put to bed because there were just so many traps and loopholes in it that had people very worried. A couple of mates of mine uh, don't agree with me. They think it should have gone ahead regardless. I'm not sure whether those those chaps made any submissions or not to the inquiry around it, but anyway, uh, my son certainly did on our behalf. To quote one little section out of our submission, my son wrote, Our business is currently successful and viable. The reason for this is simple. We know the rates we need to cover the costs specific to our business. If certain work does not provide adequate rates, we don't undertake that work. Simple. And it is that simple. Because the reason rates remain low is because people keep working for them. I just don't understand it. What we do need to take on board is that in a democracy, you're just as free to go broke as you are to be successful. And I just don't know how you could change that premise without uh, affecting democracy itself badly. What I do know is that we would be better off coming at at the problem from another angle. We'd be better off getting together and coming up with a system that educates people, educates them to understand the difference between just driving a truck and being in business with one, understands what business being in business really means, understanding proper costs and viability and getting on with being professional, realising that it's more than just a game. Catch you later. Righto, that's it then. Another one in the can, another on-the-road podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as I've enjoyed making it. We're going to roll out of the show now with Jess Moskaluk, Knock Off. What a great song. Cheat.
brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm -hmm.